0: I hope that I get a bit of bad news in the morning so that the rest of the day is going brighten up a bit, you know. You just wake up and you have a fabulous start of the day you think, oh, fuck, what's coming now? <laughs> Good
1: morning, Jim. Mark, hi. Good morning. All right. I am Tim Cohn. I'm the editor of Business Maverick. I'm talking as we usually do on Tuesdays with Mark Barnes, who's an investment banker, We talk about stuff. Mark is very positive. He's a very positive person, as we always (laughs) know, and I'm always miserable. So Mark, can you just go through the last week and point out to us all of the pieces of positive news that you wanted to raise because of your general positivity? The silence that follows is not intentional. (laughs) Okay, so now I have some good news that I'm just going to put out there. (laughs) No, it's not really good news. I just think the story about Homo naledi, that they've discovered more bones of this very old precursor to Homo sapiens in this very deep cave. But the interesting thing is that they found evidence that Homo naledi buries its dead. And there's a controversy about, right? Because we're talking about stuff that happened 200,000 years ago but I just thought it's incredible that there's sort of drawings on the wall which they think that this Herman lady did even though its brain was the size of a grapefruit so I I don't know I find all of that fascinating maybe because I just don't know
0: anything about it sorry Toby, is any of this news to you? (laughs) You know, I mean, <laughs> okay. it's not the yeah, same. We, as We still to... dead and there are pictures all over the bloody show. And you know, and uh, you know, I know lots of people who wish they had a grapefruit in the brain. Okay, so I mean, and <laughs> and we know a few who may actually have uh grapefruit now. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, so uh, this is what always fascinates me about these archaeological discoveries: is how they date them. Okay, so. They go, this thing we just found is a billion years old, and it came from her you know, dinosaur bone, blah, blah, fish paste. And, all we us get onto fish just now. And I don't know how they do that. So they sort of, what do they? Grind the bones and then put them through some spectrometer or some such thing. I know I've got that all wrong. Anyway, yeah, it's a great find. And on our soil, in our very own cradle of mankind, to which I have visited on more than one occasion. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. It is significant in the
1: sense that the whole process of burying your dead, obviously, you know, implies a certain sort of knowledge of life and death. You know, it's a sort of, you know, anthropologists go nuts about this stuff. But these graves are 100,000 years before the oldest known human burials. So our history sort of as the species that buries its dead just goes back much longer than people thought. Anyway, so that's interesting. And it's great that they're still working on it.
0: And it's actually good, I think, that they argue about this stuff. Oh, expect more land claims. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I must say I don't want to be buried. Okay. Really? Let's not get into this debate because there are lots of uh, reasons why people do bury their dead rather than burn them. Right. But for me, the risk of waking up is just too ghastly to cut. <laughs> <laughs> And it's happening. Eh? We've had a few Oaks wake up in the morgue. I mean, I don't want to wake up and go like, hey, Oaks, can you like open the door now? No, I don't want to be there. Okay.
1: Oh. I always like that Viking thing about going out on a raft and then having arrows shot at you that's the yeah yeah that's the game
0: you know have a more of a bonfire everyone drinks crazy concoctions on the shore and talks about your
1: fabulous life yeah. yes exactly and you're and and there's no body to sit there for years and years in the ground
0: reminding everybody yeah, of and the- we start getting less and less attractive long before we did i can't be- begin to believe how that <laughs> you know how that how uh, turns out curve for- continues yeah <laughs> All right. But basically, if
1: we're just being honest, there has been quite a lot of news in South Africa over the past week. A lot of it has been negative, you have to say. Business confidence is down again. We've got GDP today. We might have missed going into recession, but even if we
0: did, it's by very little. So the immediate news is bad. It's very difficult to decide if you did have anything to invest, which most people don't anymore. But if you had something to invest, where would you put it today? You know, how would you try and second guess where the equity markets are and might be? I'm starting to think about yield. Yield and only yield. That's, you know, <laughs> okay. I'm sort of in pause, earn a good yield mode. And I'm probably completely wrong. But it's very difficult to choose an asset class that you can't throw stones at. Eh? Yep. But having said all of that, Tim, And if we do reflect on the week, one of the sad characteristics of the week was this sort of spreading violence that's taking on all kinds of forms, from farming, farmers, to assassinations of whistleblowers. It's really becoming, it seems to me, the price of human life is diminishing rapidly. But having said all of that, this desperation that we are increasingly facing as real and present, as it always does, is starting to plant some green shoots. People are starting to make decisions about convictions. People are starting to dismiss the liars and the fools. People are starting to stand together in primal need and start thinking about cutting through political agendas and egos towards a sustainable government in South Africa. I'm starting to see people talk with much more of a one voice than they have done in the last three or four years. But maybe I've got selective hearing. Yeah, maybe, I mean, you, you know, you can never tell, but I
1: do think in general, people don't appreciate that history moves in a pendulum-like fashion. Things change. Good follows bad, follows good. And in some senses, you have to accept the bad as a precursor for correcting
0: it, assuming that you do correct it. <laughs>
1: because some places don't, you know, there's
0: always that. <laughs> I try and manage that. I mean, yeah. I totally believe in what you just said, you know, and so I hope that I get a bit of bad news in the morning so that the rest of the day is going to brighten up a bit, you know. You just wake up and you have a fabulous (laughs) start of the day. You think, (laughs) "Well, fuck, what's coming now? Oh, God, it's
1: it's going (laughs) to go down.
0: But on the question of investments,
1: what about sardines? Yeah, or pilchards. Are you hot on sardines
0: or pilchards? Which do you prefer, pilchards or sardines? I prefer sardines. I can remember when I was much younger having sardines on toast. Eh? I always nip the tail off because I'm not into sardine tails. But you, you nip the tail off, you set it down the middle, you take the bones out, and you spread it in two pieces on a piece of brown toast with lavish helpings of butter. And butch, you've got yourself a proper meal. And I think, <laughs> you know, tinned pilchards, for example, are part of our national diet. I mean, they, they should be on the flag, for goodness sake. <laughs>
1: The reason I raise it is because it was Oceanus results yesterday. Yeah. And they really had a fantastic, quite incredible. They put down some really fabulous interims, anyway. And they, of course, are the makers of Lucky Star, which is basically almost South Africa's or at least one of South Africa's national emblems. National, yeah, national emblems and national food. And one of these days we're going to name our cricket side the Lucky Stars or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It is quite incredible how cheap pulchards are. I was just having a look this morning. Pilchards cost around about a quarter of what uh, sardines cost. And, you know, as everybody knows, they are extremely healthy. You don't have to cook them. So there's no cooking cost. You know, the packaging is just so fantastic. So anyway. So
0: Tim, I just want to know, are, are we going to share the commission on this? Or <laughs> I mean, are we going
1: to keep, keep it all for yourself? Yeah. No, no, I'm just interested. You know, why, why is it that pilchards are so cheap
0: and other fish are so expensive? It's just interesting to me. I think it's got something to do with supply and demand. Have you ever witnessed the sardine run? It's hectic. <laughs> yes, right? yes, it's yes. wonderful. Yeah. Now, I think if you look at a distribution curve of food, you know, products generally, the upper tail is not suffering. The rich are spending more, okay? If you look at Richmond's results and things of that nature, there's no holding back at that top end. Yes. And now there's a necessity for the bottom end. So if you in the primal needs which are obviously fancy watches and pilchards, if you are in the two primal needs of life, right, you're going to make a living. It's in the middle. It's in the fast-moving consumer goods, I think they call it that. I think the, the impacts of costs of generators and diesel and things of that nature are starting to feed through into an inflation which cannot be solved just with interest rates. And I say we've got this very strange distribution of supply and
1: demand. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it, just if I can continue my advertising, um, Richmond also had very good results recently, yeah. <laughs> which is you know, kind of scary. But I mean, th- there is a sort of negative of the Oceana's results and that it does suggest that people are trading down, which is something that always happens when the economy goes bad. If people are eating more pilchards, it means that they're eating less of the other array of products. So as you say, we've got this missing middle. The middle is what's being hit at the moment. Yeah, the
0: unaffordable middle. Yeah, that's what we've got. Yeah. So we're dredging out some good news <laughs> from all of the bad. People are starting to experiment with different models. I don't know if you saw that in Brooklyn. They tried a bit of self-regulation. They sort of let the police stand back and let the community regulate themselves. And apparently it's a huge success. We already have that Yeah. But it's not such a huge success. I mean, (laughs) we we, we already have forces that are not part of government that are actually regulating the economy and the general behavior in our streets and so on. One day, we're going to find a point of intersection where everyone goes, we can see where this is going, guys. Let's stop it. Yes, I mean, so what they did in Brooklyn was that instead of routing the
1: 911 emergencies to the normal emergency services, they let the community sort of try and handle them. And actually it actually was a very interesting experiment these experiments, I think, you know, they're sort of probably a bit dubious. It's okay to do it for a couple of weeks, you know, where <laughs> if you do it permanently, it might all come undone, as it does sort of often in South Africa.
0: Yeah, well, it's not a permanent solution. It's an experiment. Yeah. And if that experiment is a you know, a post-mortem, and it's, it says, these are the things we found, and these are the things we could fix, and then we hand it back to the people who should be doing it. Right. Maybe there's some something out of that exercise yeah
1: all right so now let me go back to my normal state and because i want to raise the situation of the lifts have you ever been stuck in a lift every time i got stuck in a lift
0: i fired someone (laughs) (laughs) is that how it works that's how it works but i mean uh, yes i have got stuck in a lift as recently as about a week ago and it was pitch black and i was terrified Okay. In fact, I sent a picture on Twitter, which was just this black space. Now, the good news is that lifts don't require electricity to stop. They've got manual brake systems, which automatically come into play when the lift reaches a certain excessive downward speed. So it's unlikely that you're going to crash, but it's a scary experience. And I think the very least you should do is walk out and fire someone. (laughs) So, of course, we're talking about
1: human settlements, Minister Mamaloko Kubai, who apparently was stuck in a lift and then in a furious rage, apparently, dismissed the deputy director of corporate services, who was technically in charge of the physical infrastructure in the building. This poor deputy director went to court and has just been reinstated, obviously.
0: it failed infrastructure was a cause for being fired. Yeah. We'd save a hell of a lot of money on the public service. <laughs> I know, I know. Surely she should fire herself.
1: I mean, I don't understand. Where, I mean, you know, she's the person at the top of the chain here. If you get stuck in a lift yeah. and you are the CEO, you know, and you want to hold somebody responsible, don't, don't you hold yourself responsible a little bit, you know? <laughs> Ministers don't get fired, they get rerooted. Yes, that's right, yeah. Anyway, it's a bit of a a a bit of a shocker. And it's only one of the shockers this week in senior politics. Last night... God, I don't know what she is the minister of now, but... Arrest my case. Jamet Peterson died. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Died, uh, which is kind of sad. It's extraordinary that a sitting cabinet minister should die so suddenly. She was 59. She has a very controversial sort of past, of course. But anyway, it is sad when people die in office. You know, and then there's...
0: serious, and then I just think... I'm getting older. And as a friend of mine once said uh, over a briar there, Mark, they're cutting wood in our forest. (laughs) And so, yeah. Yeah. And the answer to to all of that is make sure that you have a full life. That's the only answer to that. I mean, I also
1: do think it is a reflection of how old our senior politicians have become. And that is a problem. I mean, we, we discussed this lots of times before, but I do think there should be A representative sample of younger politicians in office to take things forward.
0: Like in business. In business, there's a compulsory retirement date, no matter how good you are or whatever. There's a a compulsory retirement date. At 63 or 65, whatever the rules are, you have to retire. Thanks, but have a nice day. I think that should apply universally. Although... There's always an exception to argue against the case. Take Nelson Mandela's okay? but he was a particular case. But should there be a mandatory age for no longer driving a motor car? Well, the trouble is people of different ages. I mean, take you and me. I mean, as old as we are, A, we look young and we're full of energy. And we all our wits about us and blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. You can't actually make rules about age because there are too many exceptions. But here's the real issue. You need people in charge of an ecosystem, whether it's a business, a country, or a game of rugby, who can see a future and not only reflect on a past. That's the critical determinant of leadership, is you need to have enough space in front of you to plant deep visions, not to harvest short-term consumables. Okay, and so that's where the, the fault lies. In having aged politicians and we don't hold the record alone in that we in fact we're behind the curve in terms of repetitive power seekers
1: no no that's right all...
0: i mean it's you know joe biden the u.s president
1: is uh, now 80 years old he's seeking re-election yeah i mean it's just incredible i always think the problem with politicians is is cars and airplanes when you get to be a politician a very senior politician you're always driving in the back seat of a car with dimmed windscreens. I mean, I just think that is so great. And if you are a, from a, sort of most countries, I mean, you don't have to be in a rich first world country, but most countries have got an airplane for their presidents to draw around it. It's the very least you can expect. <laughs> yeah.
0: And you just don't want to give that up. You just don't want to give up the plane. And, and you know, I completely understand that. I mean, I think the perks are just one form of adulation. Everything they say about a pie is true. It's infectious. Once you've tasted it, and I repeat my famous story about Bob Hope, who on his 90th birthday was asked why he doesn't go fishing now. He said, well, sir, the fish don't applaud. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, Well, I applaud you, Mark, for your
1: positivity and general (laughs) uh, um, sprightliness at your very young age.
0: (laughs) I'm glad you got that last bit (laughs) right. I thought you were going to blow it. Cheers, man. Cheers, Uh, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Gene.
1: This show is part of the Africa Podcast Network. The
0: biggest podcast network network on on the continent. For sales inquiries, please contact contact us at info at AfricaPodcastNetwork.com.